Welcome to the Wilderness Outreach Mancast. My name is John, and I'm here with my brothers in Christ, Peter and James. Mancast is your weekly adventure into the wilds of masculine spirituality, where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood, tracking down the intersection of faith and science, uncovering true leadership, and searching for the deep meaning of the history of God's created universe. So strap on your hiking boots and your backpack Grab your compass and your map, and let's get rolling. All right, let's uh, start with a prayer. Use my favorite prayer, especially since I used uh, Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati's image for our promotional image. So we'll start in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, give me the courage to strive for the highest goals, to flee every temptation to be mediocre. Enable me to aspire to greatness as Pier Giorgio did and to open my heart with joy to your call to holiness. Free me from the fear of failure. I want to be, Lord, firmly and forever united to you. Grant me the graces I ask you through Pierre Giorgio's intercession. By the merits of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. St. Paul of the Cross, pray for us. Pray for us. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Good evening, gentlemen. Evening. evening. That prayer was awesome. Yeah, it is it. an awesome yeah. prayer. And greetings to our... Uh, listeners and uh, watchers out there on, yeah uh, for for our evening so yeah yeah tonight we're going to be skimming the surface of a, a pretty in-depth broad topic um about masculine spirituality the theology of masculine spirituality in the near future we're going to have some more in-depth like deep dive kind of episodes that'll be available on our wilderness outreach website and that's going to be coming up in december december 1st we're going to start working on that um but this is going to be more of an interactive episode for those that are listening we're all going to be kind of just pestering john with questions since he's the expert in this realm and this is like his um his area of expertise really this is like his the whole foundation of wilderness outreach and what we're all about so why don't you go ahead and uh, get us started off with that, John? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's 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 like, what is this thing called masculine spirituality? And uh, I guess I would answer that question. I'm being being Christian, you know, I mean, that that our worldview means a lot. So but for instance, as a Christian, a believing Christian man, um, and I, I learned this when I was a kid, and I still just deeply believe this. But the our bodies <clears throat> Are the outward expression of our souls. So, so in the, and especially in, in the Catholic faith, there's this whole area of study that uh, was really started by John Paul II called the theology of the body. And uh, basically the idea of, is it, is it our body, if our body is the outward expression of the soul and then, um, so the male bot and male and female, he made them, right? That's, that's what we believe. And we go back to the Genesis stories. We understand that there's this different male body and a different female body. We're complementary to one another, but we're different. And uh, there's been some theologians that uh, when we drill down into the depths of masculine spirituality in, in the future, uh, you'll hear about these theologians that basically say, there's a fundamental difference between male and female in a relationship with God, even because of the structure of our body and that we may even pray differently. There may be different modes of prayer, but anyway, how did this come into my life? This, this story of, uh, 
of finding wilderness outreach. And I, th and I think it's really about an adventure into the search and truth for deep meaning. It really is this, this thing that I've been just engaged in my entire life. And it really started with my father. My father was this, this man that was really focused on this search for the truth and trying to understand what does this universe mean? And uh, as he, uh, once he became sober because he came back from World War II with a pretty bad drinking habit, but once he became sober, our whole family completely transformed. We started going to church. He became the leader of his house, of, of our household. And, um, and so he was a great example for me. My, our lives as a family and my life in, in specific, in particular, was transformed when my father became sober and started to leave the house. And one of the things that my father was really, he, he was really interested in this search. And this, like he had this, you, you, you sense this sense of adventure with him. Like we got to figure out what's going on here. And he started reading just all kind of books. He started taking philosophy courses and stuff. And then at a very young age, my dad used to give me books to read. Like one of the books he, he gave me was Your God is Too Small. He, he gave me uh, as a man thinketh a really big deal. I mean, as a man thinketh, it's kind of at the core of this idea. It goes it ties right back into Covey's Seven Habits, which we've just finished reviewing. But the idea that we can and can within within the structure of the created universe, within natural law, we human beings have an ability to think and do things that are good and virtuous and creative. And if we only set our minds straight and, and align that with natural law and God's created universe, then we can do great things. So that was the whole idea of the, as a man thinketh. And he, I mean, he gave me all kinds of books to read. Um, Martin, Martin Buber, uh, Paul Tillich, um, a, a lot of theologians. And I, and it's like, uh, and it, he, or he'd read them with me. But uh, and then he gave me like the the great uh, the great narrative of the Bhagavad Gita. But in in the, in these works, I I found that at a very young age that I was called to this search, deep search for meaning. And at the same time, I was starting to understand, say, at the age by the age of fifteen, that there was a great battle going on in the heart of the universe, a battle between good and evil, and that. I believed in the depth of my heart, as I do today, that I'm I am called to that to engage that battle between good and evil, and that's what um, G.K. Chesterton is. Um, he's called that person, that type of pers person, the cosmic patriot, the cosmic patriot. And basically, so early on, I understood that there's truth in the universe. There's a structure of natural law in the universe and there's a hierarchy of meaning in the universe and so as a man i really felt engaged that i need to discover that really dig into it so as i was growing up again working with my father i was being intellectually trained you might say on his part but then i was working with a bunch of construction guys in a, in, a, in the construction family and learning how to really work physically hard and competitively and having a good time. I mean, it was a great environment. It's kind of like uh, be, between that and, and, and running around the fields and woods and hunting as a young man and, you know, camping out under the, the uh, 
the, the stars at night. Um, there was this sense of, of adventure that just kept building in my heart. Uh, so, so anyway, I, I worked, I worked all the way through from the time I was probably say 14 to 15, I started working on the construction sites on the weekend. By the time I was graduating from high school, every weekend I was working. And then I worked my way through college at a high university. And it was there that I ran into this crazy thing called feminism and the sexual revolution. And I wasn't prepared for it. It was a crazy time. And, uh, but th there was something really weird about it. I, I can remember that um, uh, this concept that, you know, and there were some women I knew that said, told me blank, right to my, right to my face, a, a woman can do anything a man can do and just as well. And I knew that that was not true in the depth of my heart. So I knew, well, that's, that doesn't make sense. I mean, there were things that I did in the construction site. There were projects that I did. And I, you know, I'm never, I was never a big guy. I was five, eight and weighed 145 pounds, but I could work. And I knew there were things I had done physically on the job site that I don't know if there was a woman alive that could have matched it. And, and, and there were a lot tougher, bigger, stronger guys than I was. So when I started, when I heard this idea of this thing called secular feminism, it's like, I knew it was wrong. I like the idea of feminism. I really like the idea that women are to be respected. And I believe that I think as, as created creatures of God, different from men and complementary to us, they need to be honored at, for what they are as women, but they're not men. So Secular feminism was kind of what it basically did was say, well, we're going to become men. We have the right to be like men. And I thought that, well, that's completely wrong, wrong headed. So, but anyway, after college and running into that, I ended up, uh, I like to say I, I break, I broke camp and I headed, I headed West and I went on this five year hero's journey. And, uh, I started to, um, um, backpack. I started to run around doing a lot of things. And, uh, um, so, um, and during that time I kept hunting, but I was still, I was kind of waylaid, you might say by the secular culture at the time. And so I kind of went on this hero's journey where I did a lot of things I shouldn't have done, made mistakes, but all along, there was this calling in my heart. I think the Lord was calling me back to uh, to live a better life, which I did. So about so about five years after that hero's journey, I ended up back in. Uh, and I like to say that's the time that I returned to the Shire. So I came back to <laughs> I came back to Ohio. Right, I was kind of worn out, beaten up. All these things I tried didn't work out very well. But there was something in my heart said, "Just go home, son." You what was home. the uh yeah. what was your age range in that time john yeah so i was uh so graduated from college 22 years old so by the time i was 27 it's like at the age of 27 i, I was like man dude you are so stupid and you you have messed <laughs> up so badly and you just need to like you know and and they're just things that I did engaging in. I mean, all that crud of the secular culture and the sexual revolution, which mm -hmm. is just bad stuff, and it just led me down 
a really bad place. And I, and I finally realized that and I like, I have to go home. So I went home to the Shire, came back to Ohio, got a job and then uh, really started looking for, um, um, you know, some stability in my life. And, 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 and so that was sort of a return to some, I was the beginning of a return to some, some really strong basic ideas again. One that I had learned when I was being mentored by men in the construction site was be a go-to guy, be that man that people can count on. That was like ingrained to me. Always tell the truth, work hard, do your best, do more than your, than, than your job is. Help the other man get his job done and always tell the truth. And, um, so it was, uh, um, it was just, it was, it was pulling me back to that again. Right. So I got, I got a job with, with some pretty good sized construction companies and I became the go-to guy again and, uh, you know, settled down, became, uh, you know, really started to dig into hard work and, and doing things that, uh, that, uh, my heart was calling me to by the time I was hitting my late thirties. So that up into the thirties, you know, um, I was just kind of concentrating on working hard and, and, uh, and, and being, being a go-to guy, having a family, having a house, uh, you know, just doing what needed to be done. And, uh, I ended up, uh, my father then died and that was a, it's kind of an interesting thing. I know I talked to Jim about this in the past year and, uh, cause Jim's father just died here. It's coming up on a year ago. And I know that's still, really you know in your heart as it was for me and it, but it's like there was something about my father dying which though it was painful it was like it was like the lord was beckoning me deeper to come back and so there were all these things that what happened my dad really uh when he was really coaching me intellectually and help helping me to think learn how to think properly to think correctly um after he died, it's like I started thinking about going back to that again. So I really started thinking about what I was thinking about again, right? I, started, I got like, uh, as a man thinketh out, and I read it again. I was like, wow, I can't believe this. You know, this has such deep meaning. Where, what, what have I been doing? Where have I gone? So I, I really started then uh, doing a deep search into this concept of leadership. And uh, so leadership is one of those words It's like, man, that means something, you know? So it's like leadership. I don't know, know if I actually knew what it was. You have, you have an idea when you're around men that really know how to lead and they know how to mentor and they know how to inspire people to do good work. That's sort of what leadership is, right? But I really, I wanted to understand what leadership was, say, from a, an intellectual perspective, you might say. And so I really started digging into this idea of leadership and in one of the books I read uh, was written by a guy by the name of Tom Peters. It was in uh, the name of the book was uh, In Search of Excellence. And that book just like rocked me. So so here in my mid to late 30s, I read Tom Peters In Search of Excellence. And it's kind of crazy because in that book, he's kind of talking about business as a calling. It's just not any old thing, man. It's like this is important stuff. Doing work, doing business well is a calling and that there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. 
And, he, and in that, he started talking about the guys that were really a lot of the men that he had met in business that were really uh, doing great work were these guys that went on the hero's journey. You know, they quit school sometime and took off and they, they lost themselves on, you know, out into the world. And then they came back again. I was like, wow, this kind of sounds like me, but, but anyway, from, from in Tom Peters and Tom Peters led me on to a guy by the name of Edward Deming, who was a, an amazing man in his own right. And a, and a great father figure for a lot of businessmen. But um, they, uh, that, that then led later on as I, as I was growing a little older, then to Covey. So I started reading all these books and understanding, oh, this is all fitting together. There's a, there's a formula here in God's created universe about right thinking and right process and hierarchy and meaning in the universe that I always knew it was in my heart, but it had laid kind of dormant. And then I, I really started to dig into it. And then uh, by the time I was hitting my uh, late thirties and forties uh, early, say when I, as I was 40 years old, the guys working for, had a fairly good sized construction company he said, I want you to go get an MBA. Yeah. Go just, I want you to go to school two years, do an MBA. And so I ended up doing that and uh, it took for two years. I worked my butt off. So I was working full time and I was studying like every night I'd be up past midnight reading and studying. And, and then on every Saturday, there would be class all day long class. And I would be reading, studying, working for two years in a row just every day. And it was like it was exhausting, but it was exhilarating. And at the end of that entire process that the, there was a capstone pro, uh, uh, class about leadership. And this guy named Professor Parati from Ohio University, at the end of that whole class, at the, at the very last day, he held this book up. And he said, if you folks, after you graduate with your MBA, if you don't read another book for the rest of your life, read this one. And he held this book up called The Fifth Discipline by Guy by the name of Peter Singing. And I took him serious. And I went out and got that book and I thought, wow, this was like, this was digging right back into this core area of search for deep meaning and leadership. And within a couple months from then, I met this woman by the name of Laura, who's my wife, who helped bring me into the church. So I think as part of God's plan, you know, once we met each other and hit it off, it's like, wow, this is, and then, you know, and I'd always wanted, I was looking for something in my life that was, I knew that there was this comp, there was this melding together of this belief structure that was, was science and faith. And it was always in the back of my head. I know it's out there. I know there's, I believe that God created the universe and there is a God, but the science is real. Right. And so it ended, it ended up that uh, I started hearing about this guy named John Paul II before I met Laura. I said, man, these popes kind of interesting guys, right? Especially as John Paul II was an incredible thinker. And then when I met Laura, here's a, here's a woman who had been every time he'd put out an encyclical, John Paul II would she would read it. So she was all, on top of all of her encyclicals, 
and so he was writing some really great stuff. So anyway, that between Laura and John Paul II, I was just drawn into the, the Catholic Church, which is really my home. That's when, you know, I really came home there. And um, as, uh, as Laura and I, we got married, I came into the church, we got married as, as, our, as we grew together, we ended up creating a construction company together of really good man, men. It was kind of interesting, Laura worked in the construction company, but basically we're a company of men, almost reflecting what I grew up in. So really good men that we trusted and we treated them like family. We had high expectations for them. They had high expectations for us. And it was just a really great group of men. We all worked together and just had a great time together. And uh, as time went on, um, I know that the, the construction industry we're in, I like to call it, it's like a hockey game and a fist fight. It's a very competitive, hard bid, public works type of, of, uh, of, uh, of environment. And after many, many years of working in that, Laura was like, I don't know if I can take this much longer. And she starts saying, what do you, well, you know, what are you going to, how long are you going to do this, right? How long are you going to slog this out in this, in this construction industry? And I was like, when she first asked me that question, I was like, are you kidding? I get to get up every day and go into battle. What and why would I want right. to leave this life? I mean, I'm in the heart of the, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in like full combat mode all time. Right. And having a good time doing it, you know, the, the building, the, the battle, the work, the challenges day in and day out. It's like, what, you know, what, what else could there be? Right. So it kind of, it kind of like when she first said that, I realized, oh, she's not really enjoying this like I am. And uh, so this went on for a few years. And what was interesting, she started to uh, ask me questions like, um, you know, how long are you going to do this every year for five years? Are you going to? Is there anything else you'd rather do? When the back of my mind, I kept thinking, I want to go backpacking again. But I had backpacked a lot when I was a pagan and had a lot of fun doing it. But I, so in my heart, I really wanted to go backpacking, but I, I attribute, I connected that with this pagan lifestyle and sin and all this bad stuff. So I suppressed it, right? I was like, no, don't do that. And mm. uh, yeah, right. And, uh, so, so anyway, finally, I said, well, I'd kind of like to go backpacking again. And she said, well, why don't you do that? And so back in, so, so here, 15 years into our, the building of this company, all of a sudden, I'm at the age of 50. By this time, I'm like 56 years old. I'm starting to backpack again. And I'm going out in the wilderness and I'm working on trails with on the Pacific Crest Trail with a group of young people, specifically young men. And I'm out there like fitting right into that role of mentoring and building these relationships with these young men based on hard work and brotherhood, telling the truth, doing good work and just and just really having a good time doing it. So that it started to something started to happen there when I came back from that experience in in uh, Oregon I ran into a priest and I told him about this experience and about how great it was this brotherhood we built and he took me by the shoulders and he said we need that in the church John 
And so that was like 2006. So by 2007, it's like wilderness outreach is formed. And we're head and we're heading into the backcountry. So that was like 53 expeditions ago now, right? We did our first expedition into the backcountry and started just getting. And then this was like the opening of this thing, this door to understanding who who are we as men, right? One of the big questions is who is who are we as men? Why are we different? Why do we do these things that are different? Why do we have these different desires and and do things differently from women. And that, and that really started to tie into masculine spirituality. Um, so there was a, a, you might say there was a call to the wild. After doing this um, for a while, there was uh, uh, one of our priests who uh, I started working with, Father John, we'll call him, Father Jonathan, we'll call him. Uh, he said, have you ever heard of this guy named John Eldridge? And I was like, okay, no, I haven't. And then, then there was a, there was another priest I met, and he said, "Have you ever read John Eldridge?" And I said, "No, I haven't." And then there's a third priest I run into, and he said, "Have you ever heard of John Eldridge?" And I said, "I, I'm, I heard of him twice, so I'm going to get his book." So I got John Eldridge's, uh, uh, what's what's the name of his first book, James. Uh, it's wow, about heart. heart, right? And when I read that, it's like, wow, there's something here. Uh, so, so Eldridge kind of talks about the in the heart of a man. And when I read this, it's like it just resonated. It's like that's true. He said a man is built for adventure, the pursuit of beauty, and a battle. And it's like, yeah, that's it. That and and he and the way Eldridge wrote that book, it was so engaging right and he, and he's a poet as you know because you've read his books but he's a poet and a good storyteller and he just tell and and it's like yeah he he gets what a man is so so we're these creatures that are made for uh once again adventure the pursuit of beauty and then and then fighting a battle right so so what but what was interesting about that is i had become catholic and i had been told before well you were more you were probably more catholic than most people i knew that are catholic before you were catholic right because the way i was like <laughs> had this desire to tie faith and reason together right because that was really because i really so that's one of the you know that whole idea that faith and reason resides in the holy roman catholic church like no other place you know, like no other place, like Augustine and Aquinas and all the great thinkers of 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 the history. You know, they 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 are the men that carry that that torch in the past. But but anyway, after reading Eldridge, I realized that there's something missing. And there was something that was kind of like, what is it? There's, yeah, I get that. I love Eldridge. I written, then I ended up reading The Way of the Wild Heart. Yeah, he's really got good stuff here. But it's like, so the Catholic part of me, you might say, or the man who's in is searching for meaning, was like saying, why is a man built for adventure, the pursuit of beauty and battle? Why are we? It's almost like that's a that's almost like a scientific question, right? Why are we built that way? I knew it when he said it that was true, but it's like I got to know why. 
And that, right. that gets into this, so that gets that really starts digging into this idea of you might even call it the theology of masculine spirituality. Why are things the way they are? Why are men different? Why is it there's certain things that we do that we're driven and we do these certain things? And and what's what's the science behind all that, right? Was well, interesting at the same time, some some strange things started to happen. So as, as uh, I started to stumble onto people that were supplying ideas that weren't male. So there's a woman by the name of Christina Hoff Summers. If anybody wants to read some really great stuff, she's a, uh, a great writer, but she's a, been a champion of men and boys for a long time. But her seminal book was called The War Against Boys. And I forget how long ago she read, she wrote that. But I remember writing to work with Laura one time, listening to Christina Hoff Summers being interviewed, no, nonetheless on like NPR, and they were, and she was just chewing them up, man, spitting them out. And she was like, the that the culture is is aligned against our young men. The schools are aligned against our young men. And she had all the data and all this stuff. I was like, wow, this is remarkable. So she could she believed that there was a war against boys, right? And a war against men. And there's something that happened to the culture. It got hijacked. And she she has she had this podcast called The Factual Feminist. So she considered herself a feminist, but she loved men and she felt that men and women were complementary to one another, right? And that there was, there was good and virtuous stuff about manhood and she didn't like a culture that was attacking men and like the secular feminists were attacking men and saying they're just bad, right? She's like, no, they're not. We're just fallen human beings. So it was really interesting to, to, to discover her and so it just it, that started my own journey into you know further journeys into this intellectual uh, pursuit of figuring out well what is a man again right and so back in 2011 Father John and I were out in um, Colorado and this was in the early fairly early days of wilderness outreach and we were going to do an expedition and he ended up. Um, uh, we, we couldn't do the expedition that we're, we had called for that was in northern New Mexico because there are fires raging down northern New Mexico. We had to cancel the expedition. And so we decided, heck, let's go to Colorado north of there and let's go backpacking. And so we did that. And I actually was in Colorado almost for a month because before he showed up, I was with a group of seminarians and a priest from Louisville, Kentucky, down in the wilderness, doing a wilderness outreach expedition. And so when Father Jonathan flew into Denver, I went and picked him up. And, and as we were driving up into the mountains, he said, let's make this an expedition where we really spend our time digging into this idea, this question, what is the theology of masculine spirituality? What is it? And what does it mean? And how, how is it important to us today in this, this struggle with secular culture, which is attacking everyone, people of good, of good heart and good, good character, the secular culture is attacking us. So we, we ended up back in the Indian Peaks wilderness, just talking every, every day and, and outlining these, these ideas. And when, um, 
when I went to pick him up, there was a really interesting thing that happened because I was down in southern Colorado. And as I drove up to Colorado, I had like a six-hour drive to get up to Denver. And it was 2011, and I turned the radio on, and the World Cup was playing. The, sim, the, the, uh, the tournament of the World Cup, it was early in the tournament of the World Cup, which if you understand the World Cup, and it was an odd year, that means actually it was the women's teams that were playing. And I was listening to them uh, broadcast a game on the radio, one of the women's World Cup games, soccer, right? And they were all men. There were three men that were were uh, were talking about this World Cup game. And all of a sudden, one of the men on the radio says, "Well, you know," and he and here's this guy. He used to be the the coach of the women's World Cup, United States World Cup, who are something like perennially one of the best teams in the world, women's teams in the world. He he ends up saying, "Well, you know, any good fifteen or 16-year-old boys' soccer team can beat the women's national team. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, a bold statement. I'm like, I'm like I, you know, here I am, and I'm not very woke, as you guys know, and I was right. less woke then. <laughs> and I'm like looking at the radio, said, can he, is he allowed to say that on the radio? Right. <laughs> right? So it's like, so I've already been kind of <clears> – <throat> You know, it's like I realize this political correctness is kind of saying you're not allowed to say something like that man, because this is like the secular feminist approach to the, to the, the, you know, that was attacking true manhood and true womanhood was basically saying, no, men and women are absolutely equal and you're not allowed to ever say or have an opinion that they aren't. So anyway, that was one data point that came out during that time. And then I told Father uh, Jonathan about that. I said, when I picked him up at the airport, did you know that the, what the women's national team can be beat by 15? Actually, he said 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, they run away with them. 16-year-old boys teams clobber them. They don't even play 16-year-old boys team because they're too, it, it's, they're, you know, they're, too, they're, they're too good. So they have to play like that 15-year-old team that they can sort of beat half the time, right? And father was like, no way, man. I said, well, you know, these guys are talking about on the radio. So at the end of that week or two we spent there, Father Wilson looked at me and he said, you need to study three things. You need to get into this thing about sex different science. What is it? What's what's the real science that's talking about the difference between male and female, men and women? Right? And he said, also, you need to read the John Paul II's Theology of the Body. You really need to get into that. That's key to what you're working on right here and then he said and and figure out what this whole athletic difference thing that's going on right so so coming back back from the the wilderness in the year 2011 i ended up doing just that so i hunted i for one of the first things i did i hunted i hunted this difference this athletic difference down there and i ended up discovering this guy by the name of todd gallagher that wrote uh uh, a really interesting article. I think it was called uh, "Politically Incorrect Olympic Facts," and it was like it laid it all out, man. He said so. He was doing that. He was he was going to do this writing about. Uh, he wanted he 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 actually wrote an article once called uh, "Andy Roddick Beat Me with a Frying Pan." So so no so so 
Todd Gallagher's an athletic guy, right? So he's going to play. He wants to play a tennis match with Andy Roddick, and Andy Roddick says, "I'll use a frying pan. You use you use a tennis racket, right?" And, ten, and he beats he beats Todd Gallagher, right? So it's not it's not like but I mean that's that's how different they are. But anyway, he so he did a lot of stuff where he had interviewed these elite athletes, and he's really interested about that. So he was going to do this study about the elite Olympic athletes. And he just wanted to figure out, I want to, I want to tell a story about the elite Olympic athletes and how, uh, you know, how they live and for lay people. So lay people can kind of understand how they live and be, be kind of interested. And as he started to interview these Olympic athletes, especially the male athletes said, do you want to know what the real story is? And he says, men are way, way better than women are and nobody's allowed to say that so he started digging into that on all these different levels so if you read so he started looking at it on an athletic level and he started looking at it like like even in 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 things like pool right billiards of all things or putting which you think of more finesse men dominate those sports so it's really kind of amazing and so and, and it's like, once again, the question is, why is that? What, what's going on with that? So, so anyway, um, as the, the other thing that I, that after I started studying the, the sex difference science, there's a really good book called Taking Sex Differences Seriously. It's written by a guy named Stephen Rhodes out of the University of Virginia. He had a compendium of all the, all the data and the science that had been written about sex difference at that point in time. And uh, so, so that was a really great book. The Gallagher piece was really great. And then I, and then, uh, and then I was pursuing reading the theology of the body. And one of the priests I knew and worked with, he says, "Oh, you don't want to read those original documents. You need, you need somebody to explain it for you." And I'm like, "No, man, I want the original <laughs> documents. I'm not." You know, there's a there's a, there a guy everybody knows, and he's done some really great work. His name is Christopher West. And I still have his unopened cassette sitting up here on my shelf. <laughs> Father Kelly gave me and said, no, don't don't read those original documents. Listen to these. And I said, no, thank you. You know, I was kind of, I was kind of like, no, I, I can handle it. I'll get into. So and I did that, which I'm really glad I did, because what the theology of the body by John Paul II led me to was, I think, a deeper concept, sort of deeper than the sexual differences between men and women to this idea of the telos, which is an ancient idea by Aristotle that stuff has meaning, right? And that's going to be something that we'll talk about in some of our other, but this idea of telos and, and to give you an idea what the difference is, it's like on a genetic level, men and women are, have about 2% genetic difference. And the genetic scientists have basically stated that's a big difference to the point where you could almost say there's two human genomes, one male and one female. That's how different we actually are from each other. And that genetic difference projects itself all the way up through our body, into our brains and our behavior, into the way we live our lives and everything. So it's really a big deal. So, uh, but... The other thing it started leading me into was this, well, how does this fit with faith now, right? Okay, so here's the science. I'm really dug into the whole science component of the difference between men and women. And 
but how so I know, well, how does this translate in with faith? How does it member up? Right. And I knew that the answer was somewhere in Genesis, the creation story. It has to be there, right? There has to be a way that we look at the science and we look at the Genesis creation stories and we say it ties together. But where and how, right? So it's, it then led me on to this other uh, search for, okay, who, who are the guy? who is the modern Thomas Aquinas or the modern Augustine who knows these answers, right? I start hunting and hunting and hunting and I could never, I never found this older brother or this man that could say, here's the, here's this, here's how Genesis is, is translated and here's how it all members up, you know, with, uh, with the science. So I just kept hunting, right? And then, and then there's some remarkable stories because I ended up finding the answers I was looking for, but lo and behold, they didn't come from people by the name of Thomas or, or Bertrand or Peter or James, but they came from two human beings by the name of Monica and Deborah. And it's like, Wow. So that was kind of one of the funny things that happened on this journey to understand what uh, the masculine spirituality. And it goes back to when uh, Father John and I were in Colorado. He looked at me at one point. He said, you know, John, in our hunt for this thing called masculine spirituality, we're going to discover a lot about women, too. And I think that's like the unintended consequence that of this journey of discovery is leading to the feminine genius and really just a really solid appreciation for how the male and the female rightly ordered and rightly living and and and, and let's say struggling to live right how they complement one another in just such beautiful ways right and they help each other out so um, yeah so the, the other, so that's sort of, a, I call that, that a strange thing happened on the hunt for masculine spirituality is the discovery of the feminine genius. And then the other strange thing that happened is that some of the, the people, I started getting in arguments. Imagine that. Certain, certain other people were saying, you can't say that. You're, that's nonsense. That's ridiculous. There is no such thing as masculine spirituality. And actually, they were men. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny, right? So the, some, some of the... What, the, what would be the reason behind that, that they would argue with you on that? Yeah, well, the g- great, great question. So I, I to give you a, a, not the short answer, but say the nuanced answer would be like, in, in this fall of 2011, when coming back and I read Todd, Todd Gallagher's article, we went down into the, we had a group of um, fathers and sons that went down into Tar Hollow. And uh, there was probably six fathers and there may have been eight sons there. And so I started talking about all this. I started talking about Todd Gallagher's findings, right? And this man from the other side of the, and, and what was funny, as I talked about this, the young men were like, yes, yes, that's true. You know, they were like all pumped up about it. And one of the fathers looked across the, the uh, campfire at me and said, 
why are you saying women shouldn't play sports? <laughs> and I said, I'm not saying women shouldn't play sports. Right. Well, why, why do you dislike women so much? And I said, I don't. <laughs> I, just, I'm, I said, why is it that I can state a, a fact, a scientific fact, and I'm just stating it. Why do you interpret that as me attacking women? Right. So I, and then, so, so one thing about us men, for instance, and, and it was interesting because the sons argued against the father that night. Hmm. The one older son looked at his dad and said, dad, you're, you're sounding like a relativist. Huh. I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, it's like, so it's like, uh, so, so anyway, it was really interesting. So, but I think there's this whole concept we'll get into later on, on our deeper podcast when we really dig down into the theology of masculine spirituality, like after the fall, we become disordered, right? Well, one of the things that uh, men are said to be is we're providers and protectors, right? So we protect. So in a sense, I think the modern male who's protecting any number of disordered things that are happening in the universe today, name, name one, right? And there's probably a man back there. Well, that's their right to do that and do it this way, right? So there's a disordering of that protection thing that, that a man has. Sure, that makes sense. Even Yeah, even though it's disordered. So, um, so anyway, uh, this, yeah, this is kind of like the story. And so, so as of today, this hunt for masculine spirituality is like, we're still on, man. So uh, <laughs> and it's like we're digging in deep. So anybody want want to want something to dig in deep? If you got a scientific background, like, for instance, if you're a genetic type, like people, you can dig into the genetics of the differences between men and women. We're looking for those ideas on the faith side about, you know, how we interpret our faith as as different from man and woman and how we're complementary there's yeah there's all these avenues for continued research and discovery so yeah yeah so i i just kind of obliterated 45 minutes there where you guys are back on <laughs> heels and like and i'm just like laying it out here right so <laughs> no there was a lot there that was good yeah i want to go back to where you very first started so if you could repeat um some of that I would, uh, I'd appreciate it because I wasn't paying attention. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Is that minute number 23? Yeah, I think it was, it was or... like minute five. Going minute five, he zoned out. We can count right. on you, Jim. <laughs> no, and this is great. This is great stuff. And, and y'all can't see what John has put together here, but uh, Pete and I can see some of these slides that will be, um, with, I mean, I don't know, there's probably what 300 slides, Pete, something like that with thousands of details that John's going to be diving deeper into. And, and it's all really good stuff. I mean, this is just a really quick overview of kind of his hunt for the theology of masculine spirituality and where, you know, the underlying stream of consciousness for wilderness outreach, but he's got so much knowledge and wisdom in this area and it's just going to be awesome when he really dives deep into into this subject so i would encourage everyone to to be on the lookout for that for sure 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's actually like a book on it, right? That's not released or finished, it, but it's in the works, right? And yeah, there's a lot yeah, of there's a yeah, lot of cleaning stuff it up and adding to it, right? So you know, I mean, kind of, there's a lot of different concepts kind of in there. I think from a broad bulleted idea, it's like this whole the big story, the hunt for masculine spirituality, which I just kind of laid it out there and a 45 minute story. There's lots of things happened in there that I skipped over because I'd still be like at minute 30 and I'd only be like 15 years old. Right. So I had to speed up. (laughs) (laughs) And then, but so there's a lot of concepts in there and and part of it is like, so from a man's perspective, it's like, we need to learn to think like men again. Right. And one of those concepts is, is like, it's, is this, and I learned this from our seminarians. This is great. And, and it's, it's actually like, I think it's an Augustine or an Aquinas saying that the original, the original statement was philosophy is the handmaiden of theology. And philosophy, you have to think of philosophy as that broad area of logical study of the universe right so it includes not only philosophy as itself but physics mathematics biology chemistry even psychology you know rightly done psychology and neuroscience all that represents the philosophy and 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 that's what we're going to delve into i mean neuroscience all that stuff we're going to delve into how that how does how does that translate in the difference between a, a man's brain and a woman's brain and how we behave differently because of the way our brains are built, right? There's lots of data out there that's really interesting. But, but anyway, this idea that the philosophy is a man's servant of theology comes back to that basic idea again that faith and reason come together. And they, they and it's kind of, kind of interesting. I like the, the perspective of that, like faith and, and science come together in a very similar way that m- male and female are rightly complementary to one another. So it, it's kind of a similar complementarity. They're different, but they, they're all coming together and, and revealing meaning to us, right? And so, and then digging into the, so we, you know, we'll dig into the science of manhood and womanhood from the genetic level going up. Uh, we'll talk about genetics in general, about the history of the, of, of, uh, you know, for the past 80,000 years or even before then, what's what's been happening genetically to the human race and how that translates into different differences between male and female. We'll get uh, we'll go into we'll go in deep into those athletic differences, the brain differences, the differences in the way that men and women enjoy and approach different careers in their life. Right. And what and 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 how that all fits together. We'll get into uh, uh, then we'll go into biblical manhood and womanhood and really look at those Genesis stories. And there's just some deep, really interesting stuff about the Genesis stories that once you see once you, once those are unfolded for you, you're going to go you, as I did when, when I finally put it together. I was like, wow, this really means something. This is deep stuff. And I and I, I just love it. Right. And then after that, we're going to also then dig into the, this, this concept of manhood and leadership. And so how men and women are different in terms of this area of leadership. 
And again, it's good to think about men and women, women being complementary. And there's a really great uh, phrase that comes from a uh, Cardinal Spicola, I think his name was. He calls it uh, asymmetrical reciprocity. That's a pretty fancy phrase for That's you. a mouthful. Dumb that yeah. down for so, me, John. So if you did, so if you, if you, anybody out there, if, if you want to, you know, just repeat that asymmetrical reciprocity. So reciprocal relationships, but asymmetricals so are not the same. So male and female are asymmetrical. They're different, but in the way that we're strong, women may be weak. In the way they're strong, we may be weak, but we supplement one another. And that's the way, that's sort of that one, that union of the body and the flesh, right? That one, that idea of uh, male and female come together in marriage and become one flesh. It really, it really makes sense. It makes sense on a scientific level when you look at the, the brain studies and all that. Anyway, let me put on my my woke hat real quick. I wish I had a hat. I'd put it on. Okay, get um, ready because here gonna come a long hand's gonna come and slap <laughs> you right upside the head. So here it comes. <laughs> so I, you're talking it. about all all evening. You're talking about the differences between men and women and and all that. Yep. And I want to hear. And I'm probably hearing somebody way off in the distance saying, "What difference does it make? Why should it matter to me?" these differences why what difference does it make in my life why is this important mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's like uh i would say and i'm i'm not so get ready snowflakes i don't want to get anybody but basically <laughs> you've been you you've been dumbed down by the culture if you're asking that kind of question you're basically you've been dumbed down and you let you let the the, the stupefying culture that we're stewing around in here like a bunch of rubbish to basically take your heart and your soul away from you so that you aren't interested in the search for truth and meaning. So that's why. Yeah. So and it's like and I don't have, you know, no more apologies. Right. That's kind of like like Anthony Anthony Eslin said in a great book, uh, no, you know, no apologies. And it's like, that's the way we've we got to send, not making apologies. No, you need, there's lots of people like that. You know, I ran into, we did that survey recently <laughs> and one of my uh, old acquaintances answered that survey by saying, uh, well, I, I've, I've always thought that life's too short to take seriously. And I responded to him by saying life's too short not to take it seriously, man. Right. This is like important right. stuff. We're going to, you get one shot at it. No, thank you. No, this is all about finding the truth and meaning. So, yeah. And so hopefully that didn't obliterate that, that, that question you had there, but that's uh, yeah. Well, I think a lot of those people are like caught up in finding like the people that are like, why does it matter? Why does any of that matter? Mm-hmm. Have deeper right. questions to answer too. Of like, does existence matter? Or like John's buddy, that's just yeah. like you know, I'm here for today, for a good time, not a long time, yeah. you know. Right, so. right. And you know, that's what's so great of the church because that's kind of like that hedonism, right? You might say there's this there's yeah, this idea. Well, let's just live, live, and and have a good time. And life's short; and you're going to die. So, you know, rock and roll party and until you die, right? So, I mean, that type of thing's been around forever. And the church was was basically, I mean, you, you know, from the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's basically saying, okay, you can be a you can be a, a, 
a pagan and a hedonist and live life and do that. Yeah, you can do that. But I don't think it's the right way to do. I think it's a waste of life, right? I mean, we're, 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 we're put here to fulfill a, a particular gift that the Lord's built in our hearts and our minds to engage his created universe in a way that's meaningful for us to be self-gift into that whole process and to really to just plow ahead, you know, into that. I always like um, uh, Pascal's wager, right? Uh, yep. It's such a great idea that's like, why believe, right? Well, Pascal's wager says it's better to believe because it's much, it's much more meaningful. You're just, and even if there is no God at the end, you lived a good life. You chose the heroic path, right? And that's, that's so, yeah. So like, Jim, were you meaning like more of like people that are like already Christian and then like, why does it matter to that extent? Maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm just trying to put myself in the mind of like the guy he was talking about across the, the, the fire or, you know, what, you know, why should I care about this type of thing? I know. I, I mean, I know why I do, but I'm just trying to think of those people who are just kind of going along with the culture and, and what mm -hmm. I would say to them to tell them that, no, this is important. You know, this is God's plan. This is, mm -hmm. you know, I look around creation and I'm thinking now of uh, Michael Pavey's comment a few episodes ago, where he's, you know, telling us to be curious, you know? So I look, well, why are men and w women different? There's obviously a difference. You know, John Paul II talks about that. If I'm standing there with no clothes on, I can tell the difference between my wife and myself. There's something different, right? And that goes deeper, right? Into the way we think, the way we pray, the way we, we act, all these different things. Why? And that's what I want to know. And I think that's kind right. of what your hunt is. You know, what's yep. this hunt for yep. masculine spirituality? It's why did God make it this way? You right. know, and trying to discover yep. that. And what is the yep. beauty behind it? And what's his reason? And what's, you know, mm -hmm. what's the whole plan? And I, you know, I think it is important. And I think yeah. the more people we can get to see that importance, the better off they're, they're going to be as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to answer that again, I guess, and this, this speaks to my heart again about the cosmic patriot idea, right? I'm, it's like, we're called to battle brothers and life's short and it's too short to be messing around with nonsense. We need to get busy, get serious, figure out what meaning and truth is and build and battle with that. Right. And for it and everything. So in that, that really great book that came out in the past couple of years, and 90 pages, really great little reads called From um, Christendom to the Apostolic Mission, I believe. It's written by Monsignor Shea out of the University of um, Mary up in North Dakota, I believe. And uh, one of the things he says in there, and this just inspired me, is that it's time for us to wage an intellectual counterattack against the secular culture that's been attacking us, destroying our families, destroying our culture. And it's time. It's like it ends now. Right. It ends now. So it's time to get on board. And there's going to be a lot of people that's like, man, that's like too high of a price for me to pay and too hard to think about. Good right. enough. <laughs> just don't get in our way man because you're going to get rolled right. over right so it's like yeah i think that's what a lot Great of it book. is it's hard to make that jump all the way over when to go all in it's like man i'm gonna lose my friends i'm gonna lose this i'm gonna lose that especially from like i mean i know you guys aren't like that old and everything or whatever but like 
from someone that's my age, like I got to go all in to, and that's like a statement and at work at uh, school for my kids, like I bought them, we bought scapulars and like they're wearing scapulars to school and I'm seeing people I used to, you know, do bad things with picking their kids up, you know, and they're seeing my kids scapulars on the outside of their shirt. I got my chosen sweatshirt on. So it's really like, you know, different when you go all in, people look at you different and, that's just like one of the prices you get to pay. Like uh, we get to suffer in that way. It's cool, I think. But I mean, mm-hmm. like, I think that that's an intimidating factor for a lot of people who are like, I don't know, pocket Catholics, right? Sunday guys. Yeah. Right. Well, I, th- I think people in general, right? It's like people in general, like there's a, you know, sloth, right? I see that as almost like, so one of the seven deadly sl- sins would be sloth. It's just like, yeah, I just can't get excited about anything. <laughs> That's pretty good, dude. You know, it's like, okay. Wow. Well, <laughs> That's pretty good. So lead, follow, or get the heck out of the way, you know? Right. It's like, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think I, I see Lori's out there, and she's she's been tuning in to us a little bit. So I think she's going to – like some of these ideas of that Genesis story, which we're not going to get in tonight, but that how that all unfolds in the Genesis story between the search, the pronouns and nouns of male and female and that complementarity and how that actually then shows up in the brain studies, right? It shows up in the careers and it shows up in all these ways, it shows up in a way uh, like really, really, uh, you know, a, a little a little tease again here is about the the first miracle of Cana. It's such a good story for the complementarity of male and female and the way they work differently and the way we're supposed to work. So you know that's such a beautiful story and it's just like okay here's here it is in action and you can see that then in the brain studies and in the way that the, the science shows that male and female are truly complementary to each other and how we. And you see that run through the Genesis stories and then into the, the new, the, in the old Testament and the new Testament. And it's just, it's great stuff. Yeah. I'm looking, really looking forward to getting into these little deeper and doing these other, uh, these other programs with my and two I'll, brothers. I'll wear my woke hat often during those. Broadcasts <laughs> well, no, and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't give you much of a chance to, you know, I, I like bogarted the entire evening, right? Because I was just like, here it comes to slow him down. <laughs> but you no, know, we, we need those questions. So there's been question, a lot of questions, you know, that really spurred these questions of doubt that really spurred me on to find out more like, the seminarian who said, I don't believe in masculine spirituality. And I said, tell me more. I don't want to talk about it. What do you mean you don't want to talk about it? <laughs> you know, it's like, don't make a statement. And then like, what? I'm not going to argue about it. It's like, I'm wow. here to argue, dude. It's like, I, I paid my dues to argue. I want to argue. So let's bring it on. Don't, don't like hide, go hide. But I could never get that guy to talk about it. But so it, but it spurned me to kind of say, well, wait a minute. And I even said to him, I said, well, I think like I, he says, as a, as a Christian Catholic seminarian, you obviously believe that the body is the outward expression of the soul. Correct. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't get him to say anything. Right. Wow. So and then why? So then I that sent me up. Well, who's got the good stuff on that then? And that kind of led me to Thomas Aquinas. 
And wow. so, so one of the things he said was, well, this whole male and female things just during this lifetime. And I like, I don't believe that, but it, I had to go find it. Right. I had to go find it. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, and then there's this whole problem and, and this is still a problem and I'm, I'm, so you can tell I'm ready to pick fights right here. Right. But <laughs> there's this concept called bridal mysticism. And then we're going to end up closing this out before they, everybody just pulls a plug on us. Right. But right. anyway, bridal mysticism is this concept <laughs> that all souls are feminine. And it's like, <laughs> I can't tell you how that view. nauseous that idea makes me feel. Right. So it's Your like, no, they are. Yeah. no, there's feminine souls and there's masculine souls. Don't give me this all souls or feminine stuff, but you hear that a lot, even in our church. I've heard it on EWTN radio, man. And it's like, no dude, you're wrong. Right. But that exists in our church and needs, you know, like me, I'm like, it needs to be, you know, to me, I think it's a heresy, right. That it needs to, so there's a, there's a whole, bunch of things to talk about there and and there's this constant pursuit of uh of that you know so anyway wow i'm in shock by that last oh, 30 seconds yeah. i want to talk about this but i know we gotta shut her down for the night but i'm excited well, about hey, we'll so put that, that on the uh, website <laughs> right so next <laughs> week next week you're not gonna have me to kick around right it's gonna and, get worse yeah yeah, so it's like it's you'll probably like say bad things about me while I'm gone, right? But but we have we have a special we have a special guest next week, don't we? Look at that, right? The man, the myth, so, the legend. So uh, what? So <laughs> so talk a little bit about the man that that you're going to interview next week. So we have the pleasure of having Dan Boyden on the podcast next week. I'm stoked about it, and he's uh. He's taught me a lot. I've learned a lot from him. He, uh, great Catholic man, dad, bunch of kids. Yeah. Hard worker. St. Joseph. Yeah. Hard worker would, uh, I mean, he's, it's just, and I know you've told stories about Dan before on our, on our episodes and he's, you know, you'll see he's the real deal and how he just, he just loves everybody. He just, and he wants to help people and, He's just very gregarious and just a, a great guy. And it's going to be a, a fun interview with, uh, with Dan and how he lives his faith and how he's good, how he's a father and his definitely his deep, deep love for St. Joseph. So that should be great next week. Yep. Yep. So, and it, uh, and it looks like he's yeah. a decent cook. Maybe. Yeah. He, he was doing right okay there. there yeah. Right. I think, I think that was <laughs> breakfast burritos in uh, the Platte river wilderness of Wyoming there. So nice. Yeah. That's a good picture of him with his pipe with the Frasati pipe hanging out there. Yeah. Yep. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Dan's love if, it. If, if you don't believe that the Holy spirit works through people, you need to meet Dan. Cause Amen. <laughs> there's no <laughs> doubt that the Holy spirit is like flowing through my brother, Dan there. Right. Yep in in full gear uh again uh so you know get if you're uh, listening to this man cast you know like like it on whatever platform you're listening to it on like youtube uh, facebook uh, linkedin we're on linkedin live as well uh like it subscribe hit hit the like button send us questions uh that we'll uh 
you know, it, it would be nice to have like a, just a Q and a answer, uh, uh, program sometime, right. Just open it up for people that, you know, once we get, get some more people that, uh, can, uh, can ask us and grill us about things, make us think, right? So uh, also we'll be doing the, uh, we're going to be working at the St. Port, Martin de Poor's Center down in Hawking County on, I believe that's December 11th and 12th. And then we'll be doing the, uh, uh, the Advent hike down in Clear Creek Metro Parks on uh, I believe that would be December 17th, 17th. Saturday, yep. December 17th. So that's going to be an all male event show up. We're going to do like slam down 10 miles, get after it, pray the rosary, have brotherhood uh, and have a good time. So, yeah. Am I forgetting anything? More than Newman Center. Right? Ah, <laughs> yes. The Newman Center. So, yeah, I was up at the Newman Center day at Ohio State University Got the, it was really kind of funny because here I am, the 70-year-old man talking to a bunch of like 20-somethings, right? So talking about, so we're going to roll in there a week from Saturday. So uh, October, Saturday, October 29th, we'll be rolling Wilderness Outreach. We'll be rolling into the uh, Newman Center. We're hauling in our rock alder. We're hauling in our hatchet-throwing equipment, uh, our, our cross-cut saws, our fire pits and a bunch of food and we're gonna we're gonna set up in the parking lot there and make rosaries and and talk about uh, the lord and masculine spirituality and probably watch a little bit of football at, at 12 because i think penn state ohio state kick off so it's kind of like a a a holy tailgate party right there will be cigars smoked here i'm i've, I've heard i'm sensing that that's going to happen so. good stuff Awesome. Well, I'm talked out. Hard to believe. And <laughs> I just want to say thanks to everyone who uh, completed our survey. That was very helpful. Uh, gives us some good insight into things going forward. So just thank you for doing that. All right. You want to take us out with a prayer, James, or you want me to do it? Go for it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, help us pray well. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together today and uh, skimming the surface of the theology of masculine spirituality today. Please bless everybody that got to join us and is going to join us listening. Um, bless our families. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Amen.